0: Welcome to OAA Now, your home for Oakland Activities Association news and information. Here's your host, Sammy Terry. Welcome to OAA Now here. I'm Sammy Tamini here, blogger of the Dragons Insider, blogger of Inside the OAA, and one of the hosts of Between Tamires and David Television. I'd like to welcome our friends watching us on the local voice and also those on um watching us on ON TV and also those watching on SoundCloud. Um uh, we got a lot to talk about this week here. Um we are in the um, playoff edition of the um, Around the OA. Of course, we have um, a lot of football to talk about, a lot of volleyball to talk about. Um, and of course, we're going to look into girls' basketball. Um, of course, my partner Ian Locke not here this week. Um, so I'm just doing a solo here. So um, we're going to look at the games. We're going to recap the games this week. Um, just a lot of, lot of surprises um, that occurred this week i mean like of course um we had two oa teams in the ranks of football that are still that, are, that were in the playoffs and now we have one left and we're gonna go into more specific details surrounding um both those teams um we're gonna look at the division one um regional final over at um, west over at belleville um first before we talk about sehome um the um the division one playoffs have been really interesting um when you really look at it um Kind of, I wasn't surprised about Davison and um, Utica Eisenhower. really was. I was surprised about the score, but just did not expect the um, how that other How the um, how didn't expect to see that score. Um, Sterling high Stevenson Troy Tech really was not surprised. I thought Stevenson was the better team in that one. Um, and then of course Hattsville and um, Brighton. I thought Brighton was the better team in that one as well. But let's look at the game that um that involved the OAA, and that was um, Belleville and West Bloomfield. Um, you know, when you really look at it, the difference in that game was big plays. I mean, the bottom line was big plays was the big difference maker in that game. And you really look at what happened in that game. I mean, it looked like to me that um, Belleville, I mean, West Bloomfield dominated early. They dominated early, um, ended up taking a 15 nothing lead at one point. Um, got the onside kick. Um, but they thought they ended up think they thought you know what I mean like um, you know if they would have scored made it here twenty two nothing or eighteen nothing I thought that game would have been over. But they gave Belleville new life and Belleville took off. Um, starting with that fifty yard touchdown run in the fourth in the um, first quarter on a fourth down at one. Um, just did not expect that to um happen and. And then Belleville got another score. Um, it was 15-13 in favor of um, West Bluefield at the half. And then Belleville just kept on using the big plays, to their advantage. And it was um, fifth and They ended up taking a 27-15 lead. Ended up holding up until late in the fourth quarter. West Bluefield scored a touchdown um, with C.J. Harris connecting Donovan Edwards. Um, and then they recovered an onside kick. I mean, very similar to Lake Oregon game. I mean... It was ironically similar to where West Bootfield never coming on side kick and went down and scored a touchdown fourth overtime but he i mean it kind of felt that the, that same possible being would happen but it did not it did not happen um um and it ended up being a um, turnover on downs for um West Bootfield and Man, managed to survive that game um twenty seven to twenty two um When you really look at how that game unfolded, um, it's West Bloomfield's inability to sought the big play. It came back and bit him. It really did. I mean, that ended up being the difference maker in that game was West Bloomfield's inability to handle the big play. And it came back and hurt them in that game. Um, But you got to credit Belleville, um, especially because they got some athletes on that side of the ball, too. I mean, really, when you really look at what Belleville did, um, you know, they, shut, they limited Donovan Edwards. Um, they limited C.J. Harris. And, you know, if you're going to beat West Bloomfield, you're going to have to stop C.J. Harris and Donovan Edwards, and that's what they did in that game. Um, I was really disappointed in West Bloomfield's defense, um, especially in that secondary. Now, Yes, Belleville's got talent, but I thought West Bloomfield's talent on defense would be a little bit better than what Belleville showed. Um, But then again, it is a lot of credit to um, what Belleville did. Um, So you kind of want to just give them credit, their props there, um, how that unfolded in that game. Um, When you really look at West Bloomfield, um, this is their second loss to Belleville in the postseason. Um, This is their... um, you know, and But I really felt West Bloomfield was much more healthier this time around than they were last year. I mean, and what I don't understand was, you know, what happened in this game? I thought when I looked at Belleville, I really was not sold on Belleville. I'm still not. Um, I've already heard people say about Christian Jew Reed, um, their quarterback, saying he's the best quarterback in the state. I don't really buy that. I think there's a quarterback in Davison that is much better than him um named Brendan Sullivan. Um the reason why I say that is because I think Sullivan's more accurate. I think that he's got more of that he's more of that quarterback that you really would want. Um and that says a lot. But I'm not taking away from Christian Jew Reed. Um he did a very good job against West Bloomfield's um good defense. I mean, they were very good defense, by the way. They this team was very good on defense. But At the end of the day, what happened was, and what ended up hurting West Bluefield, was the big play, and I listened to the game on radio, of course, Lakes 88.3 FM, they did a really good job, actually 89 FM, they did a really good job um, covering the game, Um, I gotta give them props, but when you look at, at the end of the day, the difference was, was the difference that game was Belleville's big plays, and you know, and it kind of reminded me of that Lake Orion game where West Bloomfield just had a um, really hard time stopping Lake Orion's big plays in that game. But the difference was West Bloomfield managed to win that game, not here against Belleville, though, unfortunately. Um, when you look at West Bloomfield next year, um, yes, they do lose a lot, but anytime you have Don Edwards back, you have a guy named Brian McCormick coming back. Um, You got, of course, Makai Elam coming back. Um, You know, I think this team's fine. I mean, like, I really believe that this team is going to be back in the long haul. And I think, you know, when you look at a Coach Ron Bellamy team, the only issue I'm going to have, concern I have with this team is going to be quarterback. Um, Who is going to be the starting quarterback at West Bloomington next year? Of course, you do lose a very good player in TJ Harris. Um, You do lose... um, But also, especially on the defense, you lose two guys you know, Cornell Wheeler and Macari Page, both of them going to Michigan. Um, and then you have, um, you also have them, but you know, knowing West Bloomfield, knowing the faith that I have in coach Ron Bellamy, um, this team I think will be fine going forward, but you know, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens with them next year. Um, I mean, especially now that you're going to be really looking at the um, playoff format, it's going to be changing a lot, especially in the MHA. Um, The red this year was a little bit down this year. I mean, a lot of people said, well, the red was not not the same as it was. And, you know, yeah, the red, it was a little bit down this year, but, you know, especially, but you had three teams make the playoffs this year um, in um, West Bloomfield, Lake Oregon, and Adams. I mean, I think at the end of the day here, um, it just, it's, you're going to have to really look at it here as a league. And basically, you know, if you want, you want to get the most, Oh, you want to get the most teams in the post possible. And I think this year, the OA kind of failed on that, on that boat, especially in the red, you know, when you look at the teams that did not make the post season. So, but for West Bloomfield, um, they're going to be back. I really think they're going to be back. um, I really believe that this team's going to be a, um, a really good football team next year. They're going to be really good. Um, the only concern I have is their quarterback, as we mentioned. Quarterback's a big question mark for this team. Okay, now let's go from um, West Bloomfield. Um, I want to talk Seahome. Um, the Maples are heading the state semifinals. Um, they've won their first regional for the first time since 1997 with the convincing 44-28 victory report here on uh, on Friday night in Birmingham. Um, when you look at Seahome, we know what the Veer can do to you. The Veer is a whole different animal. Of course, you know, it's, I mean, like, what the Veer does, it's, it's a misillusion offense. It really is. And for Seahome to make this incredible run... It's been really incredible for this team. It's been really incredible for Sehome to look at this run, to really look at what this team has done. Um, I think when you look at Sehome, um, this is a team that really has a lot of expertise, a lot of expectations. Um, I think that, you know, the run that this team made was absolutely incredible. It was Absolutely incredible with what this team did. Um, when you look at, a course of course, the players, um, Chas Stryker, um, the running back, last two weeks has been absolutely incredible. He has been absolutely incredible the way that that team played. Um, he's had two games. he's gone we over 100 yards. He had a 91-yard um, punt return for a touchdown against Port Huron. Um, he had 135 yards and three scores against Groves two weeks ago. So when you really look at the credit where Seahome has, um, I think a lot of that has to go to, um, what coach Jim DeWald has preached with this team. And the fact that this team only has 23 players on that team is pretty much remarkable. It is pretty much remarkable with what Seahome has done, especially with the offense they run. Now, that junior class is very talented, but so is the senior class over there, and that says a lot. Um, In the game against Port Huron, Seaholm was really much in firm control. They were up 31-0. The thing that concerns me with this team is their defense, and the defense of Seaholm, when you look at the postseason, they've given up 28, then they gave up 7, and then 28. Um, they like gave 20 sterling heights, seven to groves, and then I'm um, 28 to poor here on, um, that's a big concern for me going forward, especially with this team. If Seahome wants to get the forward field, they really got to shore up the defense and they got a really tough matchup looming with Detroit, Martin Luther King. And I think that's going to be a really, really tough game looming. So I think when you look at, when you look at see home, um, there's a lot, I mean, a lot of people have called Sehome probably their most surprised team of the entire tournament. Yeah, that's true. They've been a real big surprise. Um, but a lot of things have gone their way. Of course, when you really look at, of course, what they did to Groves was just remarkable what they did. Took on a team in Sterling Heights. Um, Sterling Heights, I'm um, just, it, I, it was going to be an interesting game, but I just knew Sehome Schematic-wise, scheme-wise, was the better team there. And I also thought, schematic-wise, scheme-wise, they were better than Borehara. So, (laughs) now comes the tough part for them. Now's going to come the tough part. They're going to take on a Detroit Martin Luther King team that is really good. They started off the year 0-2. And then they piled up seven straight, including the Detroit Public School League Championship. They've had... They've had no problem in the playoffs. They knocked off Lavonia Franklin. They've beaten some good teams to get there. They beat UD Jesuit. I mean, last week, they um, they blew them out. Now, when you look at Troy Martin Luther King, they've got three guys. Three guys you really got to pay attention to. The first one we're going to talk about is Maryland running, Maryland commit Penny, Penny Boone um you look at what you look at what um Detroit Martin Luther King has done Boone was injured halfway through the year came back and has really been on a tear um and he's a big he's a big running back real big running back um of course when you look at um when you look at what um Boone's going to. Boone's a very interesting matchup because if Sehome decides, okay, we make it a shootout with them, um, we can make it a shootout with them, it'll be interesting. But if you want to shut down the Trey Martin Luther King, it starts with the running back. And you got to shut down Penny Boone. You've got to shut him down. It'll be a tough task, though, because he is a big back, really big back. But then also you got their quarterback and freshman, Dante Moore. Moore's had a good year. He's had a really good year. Of course, he's got two offers um, on the table there. And then you have um, wide receiver um, Marshawn Lee. He had a big game against, um, against UD Jesuit last week. He had a big game. He's had a big postseason for um, Detroit Martin Luther King. So Seaholm's going to have their hands full for them. I think Seaholm's going to have their hands full. Now, when you look at Seaholm's side of things, you have a quarterback in Caleb Croner, who has had a really good postseason, made some noise this year. Um, When you look at Seaholm's offensive stats this year, out of a whole season, Seaholm's only thrown the ball seven times. Seven times. That says a lot. That says a lot. Because that's what the Veer does. That's what the Veer does. I mean, it takes the pressure, but you gotta have a good offensive line to run this Veer, to run the Veer. And that's what Sehome has. So it's a huge credit for Sehome um, when you really look at it, what they've done, what this team has done. I mean, it says a lot to where this team has been at. So when you look at this matchup on paper, it's going to be played on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock at Novi. The pundits and the pickers are going to go with Detroit Martin Luther King because they their experience. But here's the thing with Seahome. Here's the thing. You look at what Sue Seahome has played. <coughs> you look at the teams they played. They played Oak Park. They played Groves. They played Adams. Those are not easy teams. They played Stony Creek. Those are not easy teams. They are not easy teams. And you look at what Detroit Martin Luther King has play. Besides the two top matchups early in the year, week one against Muskegon and, um, I think it was Nova Detroit Catholic Central they played. Um, they have played really maybe one or two tough teams. And that was Detroit Denby and Detroit Cass Tech. Um, but I don't think that this team has seen a veer team like what they're going to see on Saturday. The fear is a really hard offense to defend. It is a really, really tough offense. And you got to be smart. You got to be disciplined. But, if, but for home, just do what you've been doing all year. Just do what you've been doing all year. Because if you do, then I think there could be a huge upset in the making. People have asked me, people are saying like, dude, you're nuts. You're nuts. And you're and I'm saying to yourself, and I'm saying to myself, yeah, maybe nuts. But I think this team I think Seahome could go in at Novi at a neutral site and pull this off. Because, because if this turns to an offensive shootout, which I expect this game will turn into an offensive shootout this weekend, I it would have to favor, and if they and if you play time possession football, that to me favors Sehome, because anytime you play time possession football, anytime you play that type of football, and it could come back, you know, and it keeps your defense off, it keeps your defense honest, it keeps them on the field, it keeps the offense of Detroit the King on the field, off the field, actually. Um, so, I'll tell you, if Seaholm plays time possession football, clock management football, runs at veer very effectively, then the upset, Then there's a great chance that could happen. An upset could happen. Now, I know all the puns are going to say, like, you're crazy, you're crazy. You're crazy. Detroit Martin Luther King's going to go and blow out Seaholm. They're going to kill Seaholm. I mean, no. No, they're not. Because that Veer offense is going to keep them in games. That's what's going to happen. That's what I think is going to happen. It wouldn't shock me if that happened to Seaholm. But but I just in my heart and in my gut thinks that Seahome I think Seahome is going to Fort Field this weekend. I really do. And I think they're gonna pull off the biggest upset in the state of Michigan. I think they're gonna pull it off because Seahome is playing for each other. That program, that community, that school, they're playing for each other. And the fact that they have gotten this far with only 23 kids says a lot. It says a lot to where that program has been at. I mean, it it tells me where it tells me. So it wouldn't surprise me if home upsets King. And I've said this five times by now. And I'm going to say it again. I am going to honestly pick Birmingham Sehome to upset Detroit Martin the King in a wild shootout and see Sehome move on to Ford Field next week to take on the winner of Wall Lake Western or Muskegon Mona Shorts. Cause I, 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 I don't know if Detroit Martin the King has seen a veer team. And I know the Detroit public school league does not have teams that run the veer. Whereas in the OA, you have at least two teams that run the veer, So we'll see what happens. We shall see what happens. <laughs> okay, now let's go from football. I want to talk volleyball. Of course, um, we're in the last week of volleyball season. Um, the state quarterfinals um, is looming this week. Um, starting with the quarterfinal on Tuesday, um, there is one OA team left, and that's Lake Orion. Um, the pathway... For Lake Orion to get there. We talked about the regional semifinal last week with their win against with Lake Orion's win against Stony Creek. Um, another team that made it was Ferndale to the regional semifinal. They end up losing to um Warren Regina. Um and um good season for Coach Della Johnstone and her team um winning in our district title, but um just gotta make that next step. You just got to make that next step. Um Let's look at Lake Orion now. Of course, they got by West Bloomfield in 3. It was a little bit closer than what the score indicated. Um, but I got to give um West Bloomfield a ton of credit. Um this is a team that came out of nowhere um to pull off to win that district over at um on their home floor and then to destroy Troy the way they did. Um that says a lot, but when you take it on a Lake Orion team, that's got, that's basically, has gained a lot of confidence throughout this postseason run. It was going to be a tough chore for West Bluefield, um, in that matchup. Um, but I, gotta give coach, coach Tony Scavarda a lot of credit for, um, t- putting a good game plan, especially against some um, Lauren King is the VCU commit. And um Grace Albright um, shutting those two down most of the night. But, when you look at Lake Orion's run, I mean, a lot of people look at this volleyball program, look at Lake Orion, and basically, basically said, you know, this was not going to be their year, and this was going to be a team that was going to be rebuilding a little bit. You had a lot of young kids on that team. You had only two proven um starters back, um, and um, Robertson, Regan Goki, um, <laughs> but the scene, but as I mentioned last week with Ian was the players the, um, on that team have stepped up, and especially some young, um, young, talented players who've stepped up as well. I mean, like, when you really look at the players who were on that team a year ago, you know, Olivia Irwin, um, Courtney Andreas, um, and um, I think Kylie Andreas, um, you really look at, they did not play a lot last year, but they were on that team they saw what it took to get to the um to the postseason and to make a run and they and, they, and it's been their time to shine and then you look at the emergence of Nina Horring you look at the emergence of Lawrence Derrick you look at the emergence of um Taylor Bukovic um <laughs> it tells you where this where Lake Orion is and this is a young team and that's not and I'm not and that's not you talking Jaden McCauley. you know and you look at what um what she's, that she's only a sophomore. Horing's only a freshman. I mean, Sterich, Bukevich is both juniors. I mean, that tells you what Lake Orion has is, is done. I mean, like, this is, to me, this looks like this is not a one-year thing with this team. This is a two-year, this is like a more, you know, and I got to give Coach Terrence about a lot of credit for this. He has kept that program, and also the players, they've kept that program playing at a high level, despite the fact early in the year, this team really struggled. This team really, really struggled. And I think, you know, maybe early in the season, that might have been the best thing to happened. to this team, was to struggle early, and then pick it up late, and then pick it up late. Now, when you look at the run this team's made, of course... We talked last week about it. Me and Ian talked last week about it. The run that this team made, getting by Clarkston, getting by Holly, getting by Oxford, and getting by Sony Creek, get by West Bloomfield, that says a lot. You're playing quality, great competition. That's what this team's been doing. Is they've been playing great quality competition. And that says a lot. And yes, this team has played some tournament games. They played in some tournaments. I mean, like, they've won a couple tournaments, which has been huge for their competence. But nobody in the right frame of mind would have thought that this Lake Orion team would be on the run that they're doing right now. Now, when you look at the Dragons' run, you know, yes, this team still makes mistakes, They still make some unforced errors. But this team finds a way to win. They find ways to win. And that says a lot. Now, people are going to say, is it the purple hair? I don't think it is. But, But when you look at this team, they have found ways to win. And also what helps this team out as well is that this team is growing up at the same time. They're growing up. You know, they're gaining more and more experience on every single serve, every single set, every single um, direction. And you look at, and you look at this team moving forward. I mean, they're using that experience to not only get them, get them this, this year's run to help them this year, but also those for next year. If you're an underclassman, that says a lot. To gain that experience. And this team only has three seniors on that team. Three seniors. Says a lot. Really says a lot where this team's at. Really does. And I think, and that's a huge credit to Coach Tony Scrivata. Especially with what he's had to have. Especially in the wake of last season. Winning a state title. Winning a state title. Losing all that talent. You lose, and then, of course, you have a um, one of your best hitters transfers out. That says a lot. And the players buying in, not giving up. That says a lot to this team's character and this team's heart. This Lake Orient team has got a lot of heart. They do. They do. So now let's look at the um let's look at the Dragons um quarterfinal match. Of course, this is the state quarterfinal. They are going to be playing on Tuesday night in Lapeer um to take on the uh, Mount Pleasant um Oilers. Um uh, Mount Pleasant coming off a um a win on their home field on their home court um in 4 against Flushing on um Thursday night. Um Mount Pleasant's got a lot of experience. When you really look at what the Oilers have um, of course, they are playing for um, they are playing for their head coach um Al- Allison Smith, who is in her final season at Mount Pleasant. Of course, um, her um husband um is an assistant coach at Oakland University for the men's basketball program. Um, so that is a really interesting storyline heading into that one. Mount Pleasant's this is a team that's got a really good um. This is a um, really good team that they got, uh, and and everything with that they come out with the forty two seven and three record. I mean, they do have a ton of weapons. <laughs> Mount Pleasant, of course, is a really good outside hitter, and um Malaya Break. She had twelve kills against Flushing and had twenty five kills and ten digs against Traverse City Central, along with twenty two along with eight kills and twenty two digs. In their district final win against Midland Dow, So, that tells you how good Blake is. Um, And then, of course, they have um, Mackenzie Eggler. Um, She's a middle blocker. Had 12 kills against Flushing. With six blocks. She had nine kills and nine blocks against Traverse City Central. And had six kills and three aces against Midland Dow. So, that's another weapon Lake is going to have to contend with. Um, another one is JC Mixon. JC Maxon. She had 10 kills, 3 aces, and 20 digs against Flushing. Had 5 kills, 14 digs against Traverse City Central. And had 9 kills and 14 digs against Midland-Dow. Another one. And then you have Caitlin Shadel, Middle blocker. Had 4 blocks against Flushing. 4 blocks against Midland-Dow. 5 blocks against Traverse City Central. And then, of course, you got to deal with Matilla Graham. She had 24 digs against Floshing, 15 digs, three blocks against Traverse City Central, four kills, three blocks, 11 digs against Midland Dow. Anna Alfred, their setter, had 34 assists, three aces, and 20 digs against Floshing. She had 41 assists, four blocks, and 15 digs against Traverse City Central, and 27 assists, three kills, and 10 digs against Midland Dow. Then Kobe Boyd. Their libero had 28 digs in their game against Midland now. That's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting how that's going to unfold. The thing that has me knocked on Midland on, um, on Mount Pleasant has been their, um, has been their schedule. Now these two teams, Midland Mount Pleasant, Lake Orion, have not played each other. However, However, I do know the the volleyball bond. I knew I know the volleyball bond. I know the relationships a lot of these coaches have with each other. I mean, like, and I know I know the um and they'll probably get ideas on other certain teams. So when you literally look at it, um, these Mount Pleasant Lake Orient have not met each other, but they do have a common opponent, and that's Midland Dow course uh Midland Dow play I mean like um Midland Dow played Mount Pleasant during the same conference with Saginaw Valley League and then you look at Lake Orion they played Mount Pleasant in a tournament beat them in two so when you really look at it when you really look at it Mount Pleasant's got a lot of experience they do have experience but they have not been here before Lake Orion on the other hand has been here and also I think what's Helps on Lake Orion's side. It's the fact that Mount Pleasant has to travel two and a half hours to Lapeer. Lake Orion only has to travel about eighteen miles to um from here to Lapeer. I mean, that's basically that's basically it. So, when you really look at the travel advantage, it has to favor Lake Orion. The Despite the fact that Mount Pleasant and Lapeer are in the same league, so that tells me something. When you really look at that, look at where the um, region, where the um state quarterfinal matchup has been at. Now, the winner of this matchup is going to see either Matawan or Lowell in the um state semifinal battle creek. The winner is going to see one of those two teams. On the other side, you have Ann Arbor um Skyline taking on um Lavonia Churchill. And then you have um Farm Tales Mercy taking on um McComb Lance Cruz North. Um so when I really look at the those four teams previewing those four teams, um I don't think macomb Lance Cruz North's gonna have an answer for um Mercy. Um uh, Mercy, too much experience. I don't think and I look at Ann Arbor Skyline, I think they're going to have no problem with Davoni Churchill um, because of the Murray sisters. Lowell and Matawan, that one could be really interesting because I'm going to use it for, hypothetically. For example, um, let's say if Lake Orion does beat Mount Pleasant and has to take on Lowell, they do not match up well with Lowell. They really do not match up well with Lowell because... Lowell has beaten them in tournaments, two tournaments this year, both convincingly. If let's say if Lake Orion matches up with wins over Mount Pleasant, it matches up with Matawan. That's a much better match for Lake Orion than having to play um Lowell. Because they played Madawan, or er, they played Madawan 125 15 um in a tournament for losing in, in three games. Um so when I look at if you're a Lake Orion fan, If you're a Lake Orion fan, let's say if you're going to get to Battle Creek, you still got to get by Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant's got a lot of experience, but the thing with Mount Pleasant is, and I mentioned this earlier, is they haven't been here before. They have not been here. And this is uncharted waters for Mount Pleasant, whereas Lake Orion, on the other hand, remember last year, but... And I read the MMI Prep Zone, the Morning Sun. That is the um, local newspaper that serves um, the Mid Michigan area. I read that, and to be honest with you, I'm really honest. You know, to be honest, is I think when you look at the tournament, when you look at the teams that they have played in the tournament, if Mount Pleasant were to play a team in the OAA, um. Especially in the OA red. Would I put him against Clarkston? Put him against Lake Orion? Put him against Adams? Put him against Stony Creek? Put him against Oxford? Put him against um, some teams in the white like Seahome and um, Bloomfield Hills? Maybe Troy. I mean, like, maybe West Bloomfield. I mean, like, I don't know where I could see Mount Pleasant stacking up against those teams. I really don't know. But they play in the valley. The Valley not is not as strong of a conference as the OA is in volleyball, but you never know. But you never know. I mean, Mount Pleasant was one of those was one of the top tier teams in the Saginaw Valley this season. They were one of those top teams. So when I look at at this game on paper and looking at this game being played Tuesday night, I. I I think when you look at experience, um, being here despite having a young team, Lake orion has got some. They got some. They've been through. They've been here. Mount Pleasant, this is their first time. They're playing with house money. So when you really look at it here, I think there's a lot more pressure on Lake Orion to get back to Battle Creek and defend their title. Mount Pleasant, on the other hand, is coming in to Lapeer, basically playing with house money. Yes, they got experience. Yes, they're talented. But when you look at Lake Orion's case here, this team, this Lake Orion team, if they play well, if they play well, should have no problem with Mount Pleasant. They should have no problem with them. But if they don't, and it goes to four or five games, especially five games... Then you might want to start sweating. Then you might want to start sweating. Because I'll tell you what, Mount Pleasant's going to come down to Lapeer County ready to play. They're going to come down Lapeer County ready to play. Now with Lake Orion, if they can bring their intensity like they did at Stony Creek and like they did at Lake Orion in the district rounds, they're going to be fine. They're gonna be fine, and I think at the end of the day here is when you look at the matchup. It's who have you played? Who have you played? Lake Orion by far has played the more tougher schedule than Mount Pleasant. They have by far. Mount Pleasant's played some good teams. They played um, they've had to survive some in the district tournament. They survived Traverse City Central in five games. Lake Orion's had to survive Stony Creek in five games and Oxford in five games, and they beat Clarkson in four. Um, So that says a lot about the competition factor. So my projection is in this matchup, I think Lake Orion's going to win this one in four. And the reason why is because of the competition they played. Um, Now, Mount Pleasant could play up to their. Up And I think that if they do play up, that could be a big problem. But Lake Orion cannot afford to make mistakes in this game. If they do, then it gives Mount Pleasant a chance to believe, and that is not a good omen. So we'll see where they're at. We shall see where they're at. It'll be an interesting game over up at Lapeer. Um It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Okay, now let's go from volleyball... Um, want to talk a little bit of girls' basketball. Um, we're getting really close to the season starting up. Um, getting really, really close. Um, don't really want to go into detail as of yet, but when you look at the early, early, early projections, um, you kind of... I'm going to go from the blue, then the white, and then to the red. So when you look at the divisions, um, the blue first, when you look at the Berkeley Bears... Um, <laughs> this is a basketball team that could be a really dangerous team. And the and the reason why I say this is because Berkeley, they've got a lot of young talent. Um they got a lot of proven um they they had they shared the blue last year. They shared the blue last year with Rochester. Um but when you look at when you look at Berkeley, this is a team You got to watch, and I know I've been blasted by a lot of people in the blue on my blog all all last year saying, like, you you don't know the blue, you don't know the blue. Yeah, I know the blue very well, but I was really pleased that Berkeley (coughs) toughened up their non conference, really, really pleased, and you really look at who they've got to play. They got to play Macomb, Dakota. That'll be really interesting. But I also look at the players that could be ready to make an impact. Um, Jillian Gomes is a player that is a girl to keep an eye on for Berkeley. She's big in the interior, um, alongside with Ashley Loon. um, Very good guard. Gomes is your big. um, That's a good forward big combination. They still got enough experience to make some noise. So when I look at Berkeley, I mean, this is a basketball team that could do some damage. They could seriously do some damage. Um, when I look at another team, um, when I look at another team, um, that could do some damage in that division, you got to look at Rochester. Rochester's a team in Kirk, I mean, in under him, um, in, um, Bill Thurston's first year, of course, um, he is the Ford coach in four years over there. They still got some talent over there at Rochester. Um, the question's going to be for Rochester is program strength. That's the big question. Um, yes, they did, they did lose a ton of experience last year, um, but at the end of the day, when you really look at it, um, Bill Thurston's going to have a chance, an opportunity to um, get put his program in the right direction, and make that next step. But the question is, if he's he's got to be there long term, he's got to be there long term. I mean, this program has had has been really unstable you know as mentioned fourth coach in four years that's going to be a really tough challenge for them so when I look at Rochester you know if they can address that coaching stability there who knows where they could be at who knows but I think they have the right guy there in Thurston I think he can fix that team you got play you got talented players there as well I think get the job done there um Seaholm is a team I'm watching carefully um you really look at what Seaholm's got um I'm curious to see how the players adapt in Chris Manchester's second season. You do got a ton of talent back. Um, but then again, it's the question is, will they buy in? That's the big question. You know, because they, I think I thought last year they had a really hard time struggling under Manchester's Manchester system. They had a really hard time. They managed to get it later in the year, but we'll see where they're at. We'll see where they're at. Ferndale in their first year under Coach, um, under first uh, in their first season under coach um, Keith Paris, that'll be something to watch. Um, Pontiac, um, they got talent. I'm curious to see where they're at under um, Christopher Wright. So we'll see where they're at. Um, Oak Park, I expect them to struggle this year. Um, So we'll see what happens there in that blue. But right now, if I had to do an early projectional list, I would say Berkeley right now would have to be the favorite, followed by Rochester and Seaholm. Then, um, Ferndale, Pontiac, actually Pontiac, Ferndale, Oak Park. So that's my, early, uh, and I forgot to mention Farmington. Farmington, actually, take the back. Farmington is a team to watch as well. I think Farmington could surprise some folks, especially moving down from the white. I'm curious to see how Coach um, Lauren Guzman's team's going to do in that division. I'm really curious to see. So when I look at my early season projections, I think um, right now I would have to say um I would have to say Berkeley's the favorite, then um, Rochester, then Sehome, Farmington, followed by um, Pontiac, Ferndale, Oak Park. Those are my early projections right now in the um, blue. Um, in the white division, this is, I, I call the white division probably the kiss of death division this year in the OA, and I think that says a lot. <laughs> when you look at the teams that, the favorite has to be early on, has to be Avondale, Um considering who they got back. Um, yes, they did lose, um, Olivia Russell, which is a big loss for them, but you still have, um, you still have, you still have Carrie Lee Taniah Jackson, Reagan Lawrence. Um, and then you have a Pontiac transfer, Brea Benion, coming in there. Um, should help them right away. I'm very concerned about, about, their depth this year for coach Bob Lee's. Um, there's their schedule is brutal. Um, especially in non-conference, um, Having to play Birmingham, marion will be very interesting to see what happens to them. Um, but that's a team to watch. Um, Oxford's another one to watch. You got to keep an eye on. Ton of talent back for Coach Rachel Breyer. Um, when you look at... Yes, they lose Ashley, They lost Ashley Hirschman and Halea Cato last year. But you do have Sarah Terrell back, Gabby Dingus, Emma Morris, Mackenzie Mentor. Um, and they're a hard-working team, too. So basically oxford's a team i'm high on to keep an eye on lake orion's another one um when you look at what bob Bridges has done over there um and it's gonna be a second year i mean you do return players like melissa norman um you do have um you do have um grace bukovich back here at tyranny megan marshall um that says a lot to where this team's at um this team's going to be a very dangerous team. I think Lake Orion's going to be a team nobody wants to see. I really do. Um, and I think, especially having that second year under Bridges, is going to be huge. Just huge for this team. Um, you look at, of course, um, then, of course, you look at Adams. Adams is a team to watch. I think that they, they got a lot of experience back for Coach Jay Lewis um, in a Magdalenga, Amelia Dranic, Abby Dranick. Elizabeth Blaine, Maddie Kesman, Elena Howard, Laura Petersmark, Nicole Clarenhaut are back. Um, they got a lot of experience back. Same thing with Troy. Um, Troy's got a lot of experience back as well when you look at um, with what they got. Of course, yes, they lose Emily Olsen. That's a big loss for them. But you have Kendall Zider, Athena Sanson, Kayla Knight, Rita Chiraki, Elena Renke, Laura Gumma back. And that's not counting your JV program. They were very good last year. Um, Watch out for players like Charlotte Sabaka and Kayla Rutledge. I think those two are going to be players to keep an eye on. I really do think that. Um, North Farmington, of course, they have Maya Kelly and um, Molly Simpson. Um, That's going to be an interesting team to watch. Um, Troy Athens, of course, will be another one. Um, They got um, Isabel Crum, Emma Wawoski, Claire Scholl, Shayla Landis, and the Bright Sisters, Grace and Abby. Um, so when you really look at, um, when you really look at, um, Athens, I think at the end of the day, um, this is going to be a good division. I think that, I think there's eight teams in this division that got great chances to win. I think all set, I think all eight teams have great shots to win this division. Avondale is a team to watch. Um, but you got to keep an eye on the rest of the division. I think that division is absolutely loaded when you look at the teams in that division. Um, anybody can win that division. Anybody. And that says a lot. Um, let's look at the red. Um, Southfield A&T has to be the favorite early because of who they've got back. Um, last year, they made the state final. Division One state final before losing to um, Saginaw Heritage. Um, of course, they were led by Mariah Joyner. Um, when you look at A&T... Besides Shine McEvans, you still have Jasmine Worthy and um, Keanu Willis. <laughs> but there's some questions that remain for this A and team. Who's going to replace that Alexis Johnson player? Who's going to replace the um, Who's going to replace your guard situation? That's the big question. You just cannot rely on those three to carry you. You know, last season this team had no bench, and it showed in their game against Saginaw Heritage. You know, and I think that's something that Coach Michelle Marshall and her staff has to address, is your bench situation. That's the thing you have to address if you want to make another deep playoff run. Your schedule is brutal, I get it. But until you address that bench, I don't know if this I see this thing going anywhere. West Bloomfield is right there. They are right there. And you look at what West Bloomfield's got. Maya Bobo, Logan Lewis, Lola Chambers. That's not and if I'm not naming anybody else here on that team, I apologize, but I'm telling you West Bloomfield has a great case to be in one of the best to be in the best growth basketball team in the oA right now. Thats says the lot that's says a lot I like that Laker team. I like what coach Burt Mosley has I do um Royal Oaks got some questions um you lose Sam Potter that hurts um but um it's gonna be a lot relying a lot on Sarah, Sarah Stroghannon. I think she's gonna be a key this year for Royal Oak. Um, <laughs> and then you got to look at Bloomfield Hills. Um, Bloomfield Hills, I think that's a team you got to keep an eye on. They do got some key players back for Coach Jeff Rubin. In um, um Angelina, Savannah. You um, also got. You also got um. You also got, um Key, Keelan Fife, and then, of course, their best player is Jordan Banks. So when you really look at Bloomfield Hills, they got some talent, and they got some depth, you know what I mean? So that is something that I look at with Jeff Rubin's team. You got depth this year. That says a lot. Um, Groves, of course, um, we know what they have with Ellie Rupert and Mia Yarberry. Um, that to be something to see what happens. Um, And then, of course, there is Stony Creek. This is going to be an interesting basketball team this year. I like this team with the returners they got. Yes, they lose Megan Solick and Emily Eckhout. But when you have players like Lily DePenny, Sidney LaPrairie, and Devin Vols back, that says a lot. That says a lot. The only concern I have with Stony Creek is that interior. That is the concern that I have. But Stony Creek's got the proven wings. They got the guards. You know, I think this team will be competitive. I think they'll be really competitive. And I didn't even talk Clarkston yet. Clarkston's going to be very good. They are going be. They got all their starters back from a team that started off 0-5 early in the year last year and played a murder's role of a schedule. And they got everybody back, and they still got to play a tough schedule, um, which includes ypsilanti Arbor Prep. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Clarkson has. But when you look at the Red Division early, you look at people are going to say Southfield A and T has to be the favorite. Yeah, they're the favorite, but I think they're a slight favorite because a lot because of McEvans. But I think they're a slight favorite over West Bloomfield because West Bloomfield has the experience, they have the talent, and they have, they are not afraid to go against the red and beat some teams in the red. And, it wouldn't surprise me if West Bloomfield wins the red. It really wouldn't surprise me if they win the red this year. It really wouldn't. Um, I think Clarkson's third. Um, yes, they got a ton of experience back. They could make some noise as well. Clarkson, watch for that team. I know John Wire very well. He's gonna make some noise. Um, when I look at when I look at the middle of the pack, I have Stony Creek fourth, Bloopy Hills five, um, Royal Oak six, and um, Grove seven. Um, <laughs> the reason why in that order is because you know Bloopy Hills is replacing some key players. Um, you lose key, two key leaders on that team, and Grace Gets and Maria Machine. That's tough to replace that is very tough to replace stony creek i'm a little concerned about their interior game um and then you look at and then you look at royal oak of course they're replacing a ton of talent um a lot of players in that team going to have to step up and play bigger roles for for royal oak um but their best player is going to be Sarah Stronghand and she's a really good player she's a really nice player and then you look at um Groves of course you have Ellie Roopridge and then you have Mia Yarberry for coach Jessica Weasler. It's going to be it could be a challenge for Groves um going forward. Um especially this year considering last year what Groves did, they upset um a couple teams. They upset Stony Creek once and then they upset um Bloomfield Hills. That says a lot to where that team's been at. So, we'll see what happens going forward. Um I know boys basketball tryouts are going to be well underway. Um, curious to see how that is, but that's just my early indication with girls basketball. I have not released my top 10 yet. I have not done my previews yet. Um, I'm still working on them for the blog. <coughs> and if you want to see the blog, it's, um, at Sammy semi blogspot.com. If you want to take a look at what has been going on around the OAA, um, you got to look at obviously the um, keeping an eye on the Seaholm um matchup with Detroit Martin Luther King this week. Um, we're keeping an eye on the um. We're keeping an eye, of course, on the um, Lake Orion volleyball um quarterfinal run. Of course, they're go- they're still in the quarterfinal. They're playing Mount Pleasant. If they win, they're gonna like they're gonna battle Creek. Likely to play Little Madawan. Um, and then. And then you got to look at um and then, of course, we're also starting to preview the girls' basketball season, of course. <coughs> girls' basketball season, not too far away. So, be very interesting to see what happens going forward um, around the O.A. Of course, we have boys' basketball coming up really soon as well. So, it's an exciting time in the O.A. It really is. So, we'll see what happens going forward this week um, around the league. Um... Of course, keep an eye on the MC home situation as mentioned um, on Saturday with their division two um, state semifinal game at Novi. So we'll see what happens going forward. All right now everybody I'm gonna sign off here. Um make sure you stay tuned away now for the latest information on the um on the OA. So we'll see what happens going forward. Um all right everybody take care everybody and see y'all next week, everybody. See you later.